Today we're continuing our series where we're talking about what the church is like. We're looking at a whole bunch of different metaphors that we find in the Bible that help us to understand what the church was always created to be. And we've said that as we re-begin our times of meeting together, we want to go back to basics and uh, remind ourselves that sometimes we can project all these things onto the church uh, that are far more about tradition or experience rather than about what the church was always supposed to be about. And so a couple of weeks ago, we talked about family as one of the key metaphors that the Bible uses to talk about the church and the recognition that as a church, we want to aspire to be the best version of family, recognising that lots of people don't have a great experience of family. And so that's something that we can give them as a gift as a spiritual family. Last week, we then talked about the metaphor of the body, recognising that we are one body united under Jesus, uh, and that all of us have a different role to play, and we want to appreciate all of the differences that we've got together. And we also use the metaphor of an orchestra to be able to drive that home further and to recognise that uh, there's something beautiful that happens when we all work together. Uh, We can form something that's even more amazing than what we could do just individually. So today we're going to talk about the temple as another another metaphor that the Bible uses. And this one's a little more complex, uh, but it's a really, really powerful metaphor once we understand what Paul and Peter were both trying to say when they used it. So as we begin, I want you to try and think of what images or what ideas come uh, into your mind as you think about the Old Testament temple. So when you think about the version of the temple that would have been around in the Old Testament... What sorts of things come to mind for you? And if you're not familiar with the Old Testament temple, you might like to think about a Jewish temple, or you might like to think about a mosque, or you might think about a Buddhist temple. Um, Just try and capture in your mind what a temple is like. When you think about it, probably initially, one of the first things that you think about is that it is a place where you go because you recognise that that's where God is. That was definitely the belief for the Jewish people, the Israelites in the Old Testament, is that the temple was the place where God, God's presence dwelt in a significant and powerful way. And so the temple was the place that you went to so that you could have an encounter with God in a tangible way, actually connect with God. The temple was also the place that you went to worship. So it was the place where as you encountered God, you were able to stop and recognise who God is and understand a little bit more about who God is and the implications of that for you in your life. When we think about a temple, we often think about something that's a sacred space. There's something captivating about the idea of a temple where you go in there and you're just kind of like, there's something different here. There's a recognition that this is an opportunity to connect with something bigger than myself. And so, again, for the Israelites, it was an opportunity to connect with the reality that I'm a part of a bigger story than just my life but also to be able to connect with this God who is so much bigger than I am. The temple was also a place where you went to perform sacrifices. And so this was an opportunity to be able to recognise that I don't live my life perfectly and there are times when I make mistakes, but I don't have to hold on to those things. The temple was a tangible opportunity to go somewhere and to be able to do something, perform a sacrifice, which meant that I consciously knew that I had been forgiven for those things. And so as I leave, I leave feeling a sense of those burdens having been lifted from me. So 
So when we think about the temple, they're all the things that we want to keep in our minds because for Paul's readers or Paul's listeners, as they were hearing this letter being written to them, they would have just got it instantly because they grew up understanding what the temple was all about. Whether they were Jewish or whether they were Gentile, non-Jewish, they would have just understood that's what the temple is all about. And so we want to hold that in our minds as we make our way through today's passages. So Ephesians chapter 2 Verses 19 to 22, Paul says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. So once again, Paul has managed to jam an awful lot of stuff into just three short verses. And so we want to just quickly unpack the four things that Paul says have happened to the Gentiles here. We're going to focus on the last of those, which is the idea of the temple. But there are four really powerful things that Paul says Gentiles, non-Jewish people, have been given through Jesus as this new thing called the early church kicks in. The first one is that Paul says they're no longer strangers and foreigners, but they're citizens. And so this is a very powerful analogy for some of the people who are part of our Brooklyn Park family and some of the people who you would know. Because when Paul talks about strangers and foreigners, in our context, he'd be talking about people who are on tourist visas, people who are on work visas, and people who are permanent residents. And comparing that with people who are citizens. And so if you think about someone who's on a visa, whether that's a tourist visa or a work visa, there's a whole bunch of requirements that you have to meet in order to be able to stay here in Australia. There's a whole bunch of things that you need to keep doing in order to be able to stay here in Australia. But there's also a reality that there's a whole bunch of things that you're not entitled to. And that has been very apparent over the last few months because all of the people who are non-citizens, non-permanent residents, people on visas, have not been entitled to any of the government benefits that have been available with the COVID stuff that's been going on. We also recognise that people who are not citizens are not entitled to the same medical care that the rest of us probably somewhat take for granted. So if you're a visa holder, there's all of these things you have to do and all of these things that you miss out on. And when you transition across to becoming a citizen, all of a sudden, those things change drastically. There's no longer this list of things you have to do. There's no longer this thing hanging over you to say, well, am I okay? Is it okay for me to be here or isn't it? Am I going to be kicked out at some point? There's no longer this sense of being second class. I don't get the same things as everyone else. You're in completely. And so Paul's saying that's what's happened to non-Jewish people as a part of the family of God. They've moved from having to fulfil all of these requirements and do all of these things to being in with all of the rights and privileges that come with that. It's a very powerful metaphor that Paul's using as one of the ways of saying the church is all united together. Secondly, Paul then says that they are also members of God's family. And so this is what we unpacked a couple of weeks ago. And again, this recognition that they're not second-class members of God's family. They've been adopted into God's family with all of the rights and privileges that come with that, and there's a sense of equality that exists there. Then Paul changes metaphors and talks about them being a part of God's house. 
And so we recognise with the idea of God's house that this is about God's dwelling place, the place where God lives, the place where God has set up shop and that's where you can encounter him. But what Paul does say here is the reminder that Jesus is the cornerstone of that house, that Jesus is the one who holds everything together. And so when we think about a cornerstone, that's what we understand, is that the cornerstone is the thing that gives all of the support and all of the strength to all of the rest of the building. Everything else is built out from that cornerstone. And Paul says that's exactly the same in the church, in God's house. Jesus is the cornerstone and everything else is built out from there. But when we think about a house, we recognise that everything that's built out from the cornerstone is not exactly the same. So we have bricks, we have windows, we have doors, we have pieces of wood that hold things together, we have a roof. If a house was all made up of exactly the same bricks and that was it, it would be a pretty boring kind of house. So this again is tapping into the same metaphor that we talked about last week. With all of us being different, the starting point, Paul says, is Jesus. And it's a good challenge for us to say, if everything that we did in the church began with Jesus and was built out from there, would anything change for us? If that was the first thing that we focused on every time that we thought about everything, not backgrounds, not beliefs, not practices, not cultural stuff, but Jesus, if everything was built out from there, would anything change for us in the church? So, Paul just continues to drive home these amazing realities about what's happened in the early church, that Jewish people and non-Jewish people have all been welcomed together with a sense of equality, with a sense of unity, all being together, all on equal terms under Jesus. And then Paul uses this final metaphor that we're going to unpack today of the temple to be able to understand further about the implications of what's happened. So again, bring that picture back into your mind of the Old Testament temple and imagine that you're hearing these words for the first time as they're read out from this letter that Paul has written and you're suddenly told you, as the people of God, have replaced that. (laughs) It's staggering when you actually stop and think about what Paul's saying there. The people of God have replaced the Old Testament version of the temple. And as a Jewish listener or as a Gentile listener, you knew the implications of all of that. And Paul is not saying that you have built a new building, which has replaced the building of the temple. We know that the early church met in homes, met all over the place. So it's not about a new building that's replacing that. It's about this group of people gathered together under Jesus have replaced the temple. And so I'm always challenged when I think about this metaphor to recognise that that's the experience that people should have any time that they connect and interact with us as a group of people who call ourselves a church. So that's when we gather together here on a Sunday, when we gather together in connect groups, when we gather together in other ways, when we come here and we run play group when we run our food distribution program, when the netball club is here practising and then playing games, when the men's shed is operating, the experience that people should have is the same experience that people used to have when they went to the temple. So let's unpack what that would look like exactly. So first of all, an opportunity to be able to experience God's presence in a tangible way. This is one of the big things that I'm very challenged about. To say when people interact with us, 
Is there a sense where they can recognise God is here amongst us? That's what we believe is true, is that God dwells, lives amongst us now. So when anyone connects with us, do they have a sense of encountering God's presence in a tangible way? The same way as when you went to the temple, you knew that's what you were going to get. Do people have that experience with us? Do people have the opportunity to be reminded about who God is, the place that God has in the universe and the place that God has in our lives? Are people reminded of that and challenged about what that looks like? Do people have a sense of encountering the sacred when they come in contact with us? Is there a sense of people feeling like they're connected to something bigger than themselves? People being connected to a story that's bigger than just them and people being able to connect with a God who is far bigger than just them. Is there a sense of having that, okay, there's something different going on here when people encounter us? And do people feel like we create an opportunity for them to be real and honest, to be able to unload the stuff that's going on in their lives, to be able to talk about the times that they've messed up and the things that they know they're not quite getting right, but to be able to experience a sense of forgiveness, a sense of having burdens unloaded, a sense of freedom after they've spent time with us. Do they feel more burdened or less burdened after they've spent time with us? Because again, when you went to the temple, you knew there was an opportunity to let go of some things and walk away free. Do people have that experience when they encounter us as a group of people? That's really profound and really challenging when we stop and think about it. That's the reality whenever we gather together that people should encounter when they connect with us. Now, there is one other little aside that we should throw in here as well. The recognition that for the Gentiles, they also had this understanding that they weren't allowed into the inner parts of the temple. As someone who was non-Jewish, they were stuck again on the outer without the same rights and the same privileges as Jewish people. But now Paul is saying, you're actually a part of what makes up the temple. Not only are you able to go into the inner parts of it, you're a part of what's creating this space where God dwells. Absolutely incredible what Paul's saying. Now Peter also latches onto the same idea and he says in 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 4 and 5, you're coming to Christ who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people but he was chosen by God for great honour. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you're his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So Peter takes this same metaphor, but he takes it a little bit further and reminds us, just like let's push ourselves away from buildings in any context whatsoever. So yes, Jesus is the cornerstone, but Jesus is the living cornerstone. Jesus is alive and active. And Jesus wants to infuse his life in us as that strength and support is spread out from him as the cornerstone. And he says to us that we're living stones. Again, the idea is not that we set up shop, we just build something that's nice just in one place, but we're alive, alive with the life of Jesus, alive and active, alive and spread out. So this is just to reinforce, this idea of us being the temple is not about any kind of building, it's not about being in one place 
It is about us as an active group of people who are connected with each other in all of the different spaces that we move into. Now, Peter does touch on the idea of us being priests, and so that's just a little bit of a taste of what we're going to talk about next week. So that's the metaphor that we're going to unpack further as we talk about being God's workers, so we will come back to that. But Paul also reinforces in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, don't you realise that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you. And so this is a reminder of something that we have talked about throughout this series that we want to keep coming back to. It's a reminder that all of us together are God's temple. And we can't be reminded of that enough in our individualistic Western culture. We want to remind ourselves that it's not all about me. Now, Paul does say a couple of chapters later on that each of us is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is the reminder that God does live in each one of us, and there are implications of that about the way in which we live our lives. But Paul drives home before that, that together we are the temple where God lives, that we need each other. And we're reminded that together we are one temple or one house. There's not a whole set of temples, ours here, and then another one down the road, and another one down the road, and another one over there, and over there, and over there. Together, the church with a capital C, globally, is the temple of God. All of us, together, create the dwelling place where God exists. And so that's an interesting challenge. That is something that we're very passionate about as churches of Christ people, to say, not just when we interact with each other, but when we interact with other churches, are all of those same things happening? An opportunity to connect with God, an opportunity to encounter the sacred, to connect to something bigger than ourselves, an opportunity to offload things. Are those things happening as we work together as churches globally as much as it's happening just amongst us? So, want to give us an opportunity to be able to reflect on this and take some time to uh, see what the implications are of this. Same question that we've been using throughout this series. What would change if my first thought about our church was that we're a temple? So what would change if the first thing when I thought about Brooklyn Park Church of Christ was that we're a temple on the basis of what we've unpacked today? In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to jot some things down on your teaching notes or you can chat with the person next to you. Um, But here's a couple of ideas. It could be about that challenge that I said earlier about what it looks like for people to encounter the presence of God when they're with us. Are there things that we need to do differently so that people have a tangible encounter with God any time that they interact with us in all sorts of different ways? It could be about that idea of encountering the sacred, again, connecting to something bigger than ourselves. Is there things that we could be doing differently that would give a greater opportunity for people to be able to experience that? And not just when we gather together here on a Sunday, but in all the different ways that we gather together throughout the week as well. It could be about the idea of offering forgiveness and freedom to people. Are there things that we can do better as a church so that when people engage with us, They feel like there's permission for them to let go of some things. There is permission for them to be real and honest, but also to experience forgiveness and freedom as they walk away. 
So, it could be something else that's come to mind for you. Just take a couple of moments. We're going to have some background music on. Take some time to just think about what that looks like. And as I said, jot some thoughts down or take the time to just chat with someone next to you. And then we'll come back and we'll wrap up with some prayer and transition into communion. So, take some time to reflect. So let's take a moment to wrap up our message with some prayer and as I said, then we'll transition into communion. God, when I stop and think about the implications of what you have called the church to be, it always does astound me. It amazes me that you choose to call us the people who get the privilege of living out what it means to be your spiritual family here on earth and to give people an experience of that. It's astounding that you call us to be your body, the ones who are your hands and your feet, the people who do your work, the people who you call to work together to be able to do the things that you want us to do under Jesus. But as I think about today, I'm amazed at the implications that you want to dwell among us, that you choose to step out of just being in one place at one time, one building that people have to go to, but instead you trust us to live our lives in such a way that when people encounter us, they encounter you. I'm challenged about what that means for me in the way that I live my life, in the way that I approach the people that I interact with. But I'm challenged about what that looks like for us as a community, as we gather together in all of the different ways that we do. As we spend time together here on Sundays, as we gather together in connect groups, as our youth group gets together on Wednesday nights, as we have families that come here for playgroup, 
as we serve people with food distribution, as we have families that come here for netball, as we have people who come and participate in the men's shed. I pray that more and more you would give us the privilege of being able to encounter you in a tangible way. We know intellectually that you are here with us, but we want to have a tangible experience of connecting with you and being taken out of just what's about us. We want to be connected to something that is bigger than ourselves. But we also yearn to be a place where people can experience freedom, where when people encounter us, when they spend time with us, they feel like they can be real and vulnerable and honest. They can let go of all the stuff that we often hold on to that gets in the way of us being able to experience your peace. We pray that you can continue to help us to be a place where people feel permission to be able to let go of these things. And in the midst of that, that we can remind them of the forgiveness that you have offered to us through Jesus. That it's not about us getting ourselves together enough. It's not about us completing the checklist. It's about us simply receiving the gift that you've given us. And in doing so, we pray that you would set people free, that you would continue to set us free so that we can live the way you want us to, but that as we encounter people in the community around us, as we interact with our families, with our friends, that you would give us the opportunity of helping them to experience that freedom as well. So thanks that you call us to be your temple. And Jesus, we thank you that you are the cornerstone of that, that you are ultimately the one who holds us together. You're the one from whom everything is built out from. We ask that you would continue to strengthen us, to support us, and to help us to be the people that you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.